0: And I don't know if we can say this enough, but what a crazy year this has been. (laughs) We're only halfway through. I mean, we've experienced things in six months that uh, I think many of us thought we would never experience. And we're only halfway through this year. We've experienced quarantines, and we've seen injustice, and we've seen riots. And gosh, when was the last time that our country came to a halt? When was, when was the last time that church buildings and schools and restaurants and bars and governments, and, um, you know, just kind of shut down? I've never seen it. When was the last time sporting events and theaters and movie houses and public libraries, you know, closed up shop? I mean, these are definitely some unprecedented times—times times that we've never faced before as a church, times we've never faced before as families or as individuals. But Christ, okay. Let me say that one more time. But Christ, He will be with us through anything and everything that we experience. He will continue to be with us through it all. And the church is back. Woo! All right. Kind of, uh, kind of awkwardly so. All right. Thank you for embracing the awkwardness with us. But uh, man, we're back. Um, But I want you to know that the church never went away. Um, The church continued to flourish. Even though we weren't physically meeting in this room, the church moved forward. But we did. I know I did. I missed you tremendously, and it's great to see you back. I want to remind us once again, the church never stopped. Over the past eight or nine weeks, the church of God has continued to reach people. The church of God has continued to flourish. She has continued to be a beacon of hope um, in our community and around the world. You know, throughout history, that's just the way it has worked. Whenever the church has come under perilous times, whenever the church has come under even persecution, the church thrives under those type of environments. The church of God has always been a light in the darkness. And I want to take just a quick moment to remind us of what the church is. Because sometimes people get confused. Like, what is the church? Is the church a building? Is it stained glass windows? You know, is it uh, cathedrals? Is that the church? That is not the church. Those are buildings. Those are stained glass windows. The church is people. You are the church of God. You are the church. The church is people. And you are the light in the darkness. You are the light in the darkness. Of the world. And you will be a force for good in this present day. That's what Jesus intends. That's what he hopes for. But today we're continuing our series called I Want to Believe, but we're in part three. And today we're going to be talking about people who would say, I want to believe, but I don't really like Christians. I want to believe, but I don't like his followers. You've probably all heard the story or you heard the statement from Gandhi he was quoted as saying, I would have been a Christian or I would be a Christian if it wasn't for Christians. Can you imagine the heartbreak? Can you imagine standing before God someday in the future and seeing people point to Christians as to the reason why they didn't put their faith in Jesus? I I can't imagine anything worse than that. I mean, how heartbreaking would that be? Eternally condemned because they rejected Jesus Christ because of the influence of Christians. That would be devastating. I want to share with you this morning some real statements from real people as to why they haven't put their faith in Jesus Christ. And before I read these statements to you, I want to to let you know uh, a couple things before I read these statements to you. These are... Probably going to be hard for some of us to hear, but the reason that we're talking about this today is because here at Grace Church, we desire to be like Jesus. We want to be like Christ. And when people come into this place, or when people interact with people from Grace Church, when they interact with you out in the workplace or out in the community, we want them to experience Jesus. We want them to see Jesus in you. We want them to see Jesus in me. And I'm so glad to say that at Grace Church, okay, we are a church that is becoming more and more like Christ. We have a long ways to go. But I think we are becoming more like Jesus Christ. But we want people to see Jesus in us. That's why we're talking about us. We're talking about this. It's not, it's not Jesus plus our political views. It's not uh, Jesus... Uh, It's not some watered-down version of Jesus. It's not, uh, you know, it's not a white feminine Jesus that has a perm, you know, that's portrayed in a lot of paintings and pictures that we see today. No, it's the Jesus that we see in Scripture. That's the Jesus that we want people to encounter. That's the Jesus that we want people to see. The Jesus of Scripture was loving and kind and real. He was filled with truth and grace. The Jesus that we see in Scripture, he was a hard worker. He was faithful. He was prayerful. He was patient and humble and obedient. He was generous and wise. He was forgiving. He was holy. That's the Jesus that we want people to encounter. Listen to a few quotes from people. These are real people, real statements. People who say, I want to believe, but I don't like his followers. An individual was quoted as saying, I I love the grace. I love the forgiveness. I love the the love that I see that Jesus reveals in the New Testament. But the only Christians that I seem to encounter promote judgment and fear and shame. Real people, real statement. Another individual said, "I, I get along great with my coworkers, but I seem to be an outcast in my church. Another individual said, the best conversations I have happen to be everywhere except the church. I'm not allowed to ask questions there. Real people, real statements. Another individual said, I, I learn new things all the time, but every sermon I seem to hear just sounds the same. It sounds old-fashioned and it doesn't, it's not relevant to my life. Another individual said, I don't want my faith to be defined by the political views of my pastor. Real people, real statements. Another individual said, I feel like I have to jump through a million hoops in order to be saved. I feel like I have to clean up on the outside before I can be changed on the inside. The reality is is, is when people look at the New Testament of the Scriptures, they're attracted to the Jesus that they see. If you talk, the majority of people that I've encountered, that I've talked with, they don't have a problem with Jesus. But oftentimes they can struggle with Christians. When they look at the New Testament, they're attracted to the Jesus that they see. They see his selfless acts of generosity. Generosity. They read and they see how Jesus served and how he ministered to the broken. They they read about his love and how he loved people unconditionally. But you know, far too often, they don't see that same spirit in today's Christian institutions or churches or communities. Sometimes they don't see it in faith leaders. And the reality is, today's faith is often a complex minefield of theologies and doctrines and practices or expectations where individuals have to walk on eggshells to avoid a plethora of sins or heresies that will inevitably attract the wrath, right, from religious people. Often instead of Jesus being defined by the Scriptures, shouldn't He be defined by the Scriptures? But unfortunately, instead of Jesus being defined by the Scriptures, He's defined by political views or denominational affiliations or legalistic theological beliefs or strict tra- traditions or social networks. Oftentimes, He can be defined by the attitudes or the opinions of people. And the reality is, as is, is, is people are, are tired of the hypocrisy or the judgment the infighting the fear or the shame that is often associated with institutionalized christianity back to the the story of gandhi the story is told that he was practicing hindu but he found jesus to be very intriguing He he was reading the Gospels. He was reading the New Testament, specifically in the Gospels, and he wanted to know more about Jesus. On a Sunday morning, he stopped by a Christian church in Calcutta, India. And the story is told that when he went into this Christian church, he was actually turned away at the door. He wasn't allowed to come in because he was not a part of the high caste Indians. He wasn't a white person. He was turned away at the door of the church because of the way he looked on the exterior. He was unwelcomed. And this incident, this experience, formed the basis of his quote where he said, if it wasn't for Christians, I'd be a Christian. Now once again, I am so glad to say that I am a part of a church that is so far from that so far and I am thankful for that and this is why we're talking about it because we're going to do everything in our power to remain far from that because we want to welcome anyone and everyone in no matter their exterior no matter who they are or where they are or where they come from I want you to know as we get started in the sermon this morning that is not the way it's supposed to be what Gandhi experienced that's not The church of God, that is not what God intended. So I thought the best thing that we could do is we could look to Jesus this morning. I can't think of a better place to look. Let's look at the life of Jesus and let's learn some things for just a moment. In every instance of his life, Jesus lived perfectly. He always did the Father's will. Perfect in obedience, perfect in worship, perfect in love. Jesus challenged his followers to do the same. He wanted his followers to live like him, to be like him. So I want us to look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. These words were written by Matthew, and he was actually recording the words of Jesus. Jesus was teaching a group of people, and Matthew was writing what he was teaching. Now remember, Matthew was an eyewitness to the life of Jesus. He got to experience, he got to see with his own eyes. The miracles of Christ. And this is Jesus speaking to his followers. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. And then verse 14 You are the light of the world. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, okay, this is what God intends for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus. He says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Like, why Why should our good deeds shine out for all to see? Why should we be full of good deeds? Why should we be serving in a way that people take notice? He says, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Gosh, our deeds, the way that we love one another, the way that we love our community, the way that we serve, the way that we express generosity and just give freely. I mean... Our service should demonstrate something that is full of flavor. That's what God is saying. When they look at your life, it should be flavorful. It should be like, man, I'm attracted to that. I want that. I want what you have. This is just one example of many where Jesus expected his followers to live like him. To love like him. To represent the kingdom of God in a, in a worthy manner. Whether we like it or not, not, man, when you made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, the scripture says you are an an ambassador of the kingdom of God. You're a representative of the kingdom of God. What you do, it really matters. The way you live, the way you treat people, it really matters. You might say, man, Justin, that's kind of a tall order, you know? It, It sounds like you're saying that I have to be perfect, you know? I don't know about you, but I've had this thought, it's like, I'm not Jesus, you know? I'm not going to say everything right. I'm not going to do everything right. This seems like an impossible order from God. Like, I have to be like Jesus. I'm not going to do it right all the time. All you have to do is look to Jesus' disciples, okay? And I'm like, okay, now I can relate. (laughs) All right. All you have to do is look to the disciples, and you quickly realize that living a perfect life like Jesus is impossible, But then again, that's why Jesus came. He came to rescue humanity from its imperfections. He came to save us because we were exactly that. We were imperfect. Once once someone makes the decision to follow Christ, they should strive to live like Christ. They should strive to follow his example. They should uh, try to emulate his teachings. And when you go to the scriptures... It helps us to understand what this kind of a lifestyle should look like, what it, what it is to live like Christ. We should define Jesus through the scriptures. Following Christ is not easy, though. All right, that's probably the understatement of the morning. <laughs> Following Jesus Christ is not an easy task. The Christian life, it comes with a lot of difficulties, it's, it's, it's hard. Any person who says otherwise, I'm going to say is a fake. If someone says, man, when you follow Jesus, it's just like smooth sailing from there. I'm going to say, you're probably not following the real Jesus, okay? John the Apostle, he wrote that anyone who claims they are not a sinner or says that they do not sin is a liar. We're going to battle our flesh. We're going to battle um, <clears throat> you know, the desires that we have within us. It's going to be a battle. We all regularly struggle with sin Even the Apostle Paul, man, just the giant in our faith, a man who wrote the majority of the New Testament, he described the struggle of of battling his flesh or, uh, you know, the the, the desire of he wanted to live for Jesus, but oftentimes he was battling, you know, the desires to do the wrong things. And he summarized in, in Romans chapter 7, and I want to encourage you to read this on your own. Romans chapter 7, Paul said, The things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I want to do, I don't do those things. Alright? When I see a package of Oreos, that's exactly what I experience. I, mean, I don't want to eat the Oreos. But I end up eating the Oreos, right? I mean, the things that we don't want to do, we do. And the things I want to do, I don't do those things. It's just a battle. It's light versus darkness within us. It's going to be a battle. And it's a daily battle to live like Jesus. And I want you to know, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to get it right all the time. Sometimes we're going to get it wrong. But I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to make a daily effort to live for Jesus. When you get up in the morning, man, have the mindset that today I'm going to live like Christ, I'm gonna do my best to 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 love people like Jesus loved people. I'm gonna do my best to forgive like Jesus forgave. I'm gonna do my best to uh, man to to minister to the broken like Jesus ministered to the broken. Me personally, I have a big old post-it note that I put in my closet, and uh, over the past couple of years, I've just kind of recorded different statements in my journal, and I. I transferred it onto this big post-it and it's stuck on the wall of my closet. So every morning when I get up, I read these statements and a lot of them are just straight out of scripture. But they're personal declarations for me. So when I get up in the morning, I try to start my day by reading these personal declarations of how I'm going to live my life that day. And it helps me to get my mindset on the right track. Because oftentimes, Justin just wants to do anything and everything but the right thing. But I start my day by looking at these personal declarations. I start my day by declaring the promises of God, Scripture over my life, and it helps me to set my course straight for that day. And I want to encourage you, maybe you don't have to do it exactly that way, but is there something you can do just getting up in the morning, setting a routine where you spend time in God's Word, you spend time in prayer, you you do something at the start of the day to set your course on the right path. I would encourage you to do that. Make a daily effort to live for Jesus. The Apostle Peter, who was an eyewitness to the life and the ministry of Jesus, I think he helps us to see the big picture of how we're supposed to live. After encouraging us and exhorting us to live like God and, and, and to really live like God in our daily life, Peter describes what, what the end result of our faith should be. I want us to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And I love the way he starts this because it's man, it's not condemning, it's not judgmental. And he's trying to encourage you this morning. Peter says, dear friends, it's a great way to start. He says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. What he means by that is this world is not our home. All right? There's an old song that said this world is not our home. We're just passing through. All right? This world is not our home. We're temporary residents and even foreigners on this planet. You're like, man, this world is in chaos. It's broken. It's like, yep, that's what the scripture said was going to happen. All right? So don't be surprised by it. This world is not our home. We're foreigners in this world," he says. "I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls." Doesn't sound like smooth sailing. If I put my faith in Jesus, it's just going to be woo, easy street. Okay, that's not the picture that's being painted here. He says there's going to be worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. Verse 12, he says, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when He judges the world. I think what Peter is saying is, Your actions speak louder than your words. Like what you do, how you live, how you treat people, how you serve, how you love, how you manage your money, how you manage your resources, how you interact with people. It matters. I've heard it said one time that the only Bible that a lot of people are going to read is your life story. They're watching, okay? Not to put a guilt trip on you, but I'm just trying to encourage you just like Paul says, to be careful and try to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Try to live like Jesus would live. I encourage you to read those words carefully from Peter. Peter says to live for Christ in such a way that it would actually draw people to Jesus Christ. I honestly think that if we lived more like Jesus, people would actually be attracted to our faith. Because once again, the majority of people, they don't have a problem with Jesus. And they actually, they, they look up, they, they're inspired by, they, they kind of want more of Jesus. Could it be that if we lived more like Christ, man, we would draw people in. More people would come to faith because they would see Jesus in us. My dad said one time, I think we should all be a bunch of little Jesuses, okay, out in the community, out in the workplace, when they see you they should, they should see Jesus. They should see something that kind of makes them step back and go, this is different. This is not what I encounter on a daily basis with most people like what is up with him or what is up with her? They should see Jesus in you. You know, this is the exact opposite of what happened to Gandhi. Instead of being loved like Jesus, he was judged, he was turned away. Incredibly heartbreaking. May it never be so here at Grace Church. Gosh, may it never be so. In just a moment, I, I, I want to show you a video. This video was made back in 2012, and as of today, it has had over 34 million views The the content of this video, it's challenging. It's going to make you think. Um, And that's a good thing, by the way. But the reality is, is some of the questions that are presented in this video are some of the same questions that are being asked in 2020. Once again, the reason I'm showing you this, the reason why we're even talking about it is because I desire, I want Grace Church, I'm leading Grace Church to be a place that is not afraid to talk about hard things. I want Grace Church to be a, a place that is not afraid of people's hard questions. I want Grace Church to be a place that is authentic and real. And when people walk in, they experience Jesus. They experience something different. A place where imperfect people are welcomed in and loved well. So check out this video. It's a, actually called A Spoken Word. And it's called I Hate Religion but love Jesus. Check this out.
1: What if I told you Jesus came to abolish religion? What if I told you voting Republican really wasn't his mission? What if I told you Republican doesn't automatically mean Christian, and just because you call some people blind doesn't automatically give you vision? I mean, if religion is so great, why has it started so many wars? Why does it build huge churches but fails to feed the poor? Tell single moms God doesn't love them if they've ever had a divorce, but in the Old Testament, God actually calls religious people whores. Religion might preach grace... But another thing they practice, tend to ridicule God's people, they did it to John the Baptist. They can't fix their problems and so they just mask it, not realizing religion's like spraying perfume on a casket. See, the problem with religion is it never gets to the core. It's just behavior modification like a long list of chores. Like, let's dress up the outside, make it look nice and neat. But it's funny, that's what they used to do to mummies while the corpse rots underneath. Now I ain't judging, I'm just saying, quit putting on a fake look. Because there's a problem if people only know that you're a Christian by your Facebook. I mean, in every other aspect of life, you know that logic's unworthy. It's like saying you play for the Lakers just because you bought a jersey. See, this was me too, but no one seemed to be on to me. Acting like a church kid while addicted to pornography. See, on Sunday I'd go to church, but Saturday getting faded acting if I was simply created to just have sex and get wasted. See, I spent my whole life building this facade of neatness. But now that I know Jesus, I boast in my weakness. Because if grace is water, then the church should be an ocean. It's not a museum for good people. It's a hospital for the broken, which means I don't have to hide my failure. I don't have to hide my sin because it doesn't depend on me. It depends on him. See, because when I was God's enemy and certainly not a fan, he looked down and said, I want that man. Which is why Jesus hated religion, and for it he called them fools. Don't you see so much better than just following some rules? Now let me clarify. I love the church, I love the Bible, and yes, I believe in sin. But if Jesus came to your church, would they actually let him in? See, remember he was called a glutton and a drunkard by religious men. But the Son of God never supports self-righteousness, not now, not then. Now back to the point, one thing is vital to mention how Jesus and religion are on opposite spectrums. See, one's the work of God, but one's a man-made invention. See, one is the cure, but the other's the infection. See, because religion says do. Jesus says done. Religion says slave. Jesus says son. Religion puts you in bondage, while Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus makes you see. And that's why religion and Jesus are two different clans. Religion is man searching for God. Christianity is God searching for man, which is why salvation is freely mine and forgiveness is my own. Not based on my merits, but Jesus' obedience alone. Because he took the crown of thorns and the blood dripped down his face. He took what we all deserve. I guess that's why you call it grace. And while being murdered, he yelled, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Because when he was dangling on that cross, he was thinking of you. And he absorbed all your sin, and he buried it in the tomb, which is why I'm kneeling at the cross saying, come on, there's room. So for religion, no, I hate it. In fact, I literally resent it. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, I believe he meant it. You know, uh,
0: for those of you who may be discouraged or even frustrated with what Christian culture can be sometimes or maybe even what it has become, I want to encourage you. I mean, the worst thing I think you could do is to withdraw from community. Don't withdraw. Don't retreat from community. You need community. You need to surround yourself with supportive believers in Jesus who can empathize, who can pray for, who can comfort, who can uplift you. And in turn, you do the same for them. That's the beauty of community. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. I want to encourage you, try not to become cynical. Instead, put your hope in Christ and Christ alone. Put your hope in Jesus. That is the only firm foundation that exists. Everything else is sand. Everything else will fall apart. Put your hope in Jesus, and Jesus alone. And I want to encourage you as we move forward, I want to encourage you to be patient with me. I want to encourage you to be patient with each other because we're all imperfect. We're all broken. I want to encourage you to offer forgiveness. I want to encourage you to communicate and communicate well and like was talked about in the video gosh i hope we can get to a place where we actually boast in our weaknesses cuz the reality is is every single one of us has a story every single one of us has a past man we need to boast in how god has delivered us from that past some of us might be stuck in the past maybe we're still right in the middle of our brokenness we haven't yet experienced the resurrection, uh, resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I want to, and I, I hope for a day that we can get to where we can boast in our weakness. And then I would say, Church, can we be a lifeline to those who are struggling? Man, if you're sick of Christianity, or if you would say, if you're the person that says, "I want to believe, but I don't like his followers." And maybe you're at this place where you're ready to abandon it altogether. I just want to say don't. Man, look to Jesus. He is the only firm foundation. Give Jesus another shot, right? Don't mistake God for the things that falsely represent him. He knows your pain. He wants to make you whole. He wants to make you complete. He loves you. You might be here this morning, you might be watching online, you're like, man, Justin's kind of been, just seems like he's been harping on Christians a little bit, and kind of, man, is he bashing Christians? I want you to know, no, absolutely not. There are a lot of Christians that embarrass the heck out of me. There's a lot of Christians that I don't really like, to be honest with you, but there's another side to the story, all right? There are a ton of Christians. There are millions of Christians who are showing the love of Jesus Christ in incredible ways, They're showing the love of Jesus to their neighbors, in their communities, in their countries. They're even showing the love of Jesus to their enemies. I'm going to close this morning with uh, some words from an Old Testament prophet named Micah. And I think he summarizes really well what we've been talking about this morning. It's in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. It would be a a great verse uh, for you to memorize. But Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 says, O people, Boy, wouldn't that define hard day today? Oh, people. <laughs> the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is right. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God.